Hello and welcome to How to Be Happy with Dr. Wendy. Inside of you is an infinitely compassionate and wise being you never knew existed. I'm Dr. Wendy Hill, talking to you from Encinitas, California, where I help people with their personal and spiritual growth through workshops and one-on-one meetings. Let's explore together how to find your true self and to live the life you were meant to live. We will talk about everything from how to heal your inner child and transform your current life, to how to connect with your highest self, and to connect with others in ways that bring joy. My guests will be clients, friends, other professionals, and maybe even you. So I invite you to relax and open your mind and your heart. This is an adventure we all share. Welcome back. Joyce Wozniak is here again with us today, and she has. we're still talking about relationships. So what question do you have? Well, I would like to um, discuss with you having a voice in a relationship. That's, um, that's always difficult to not only speak up, but to speak speak up and communicate in a caring and loving way. No matter what the relationship is, we need to communicate. We want people to respond positively. And in good relationships, people do that. I want to tell a story, and I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm going to tell a story about the work that I was committed to doing with myself on what I call win-win relationship skills. And I take a two-mile walk every morning. It's a non-negotiable. And for a long period of time, I used that walk as like a walking school for myself. And I made up a rule. I needed to find, and this was years ago, how to have a voice in my relationships whether it be with a family member or whether it be with a friend or significant other, I wanted to have to feel empowered. And I realized, maybe I didn't realize how manipulative I was or how triggered I was that would color what I would say. So I, I wanted to find a way to think about how can I say speak to another person in a way that can bring about something positive. So here's the rule I made. In any given day on the walk, I would think of a relationship that I had or an interchange that I had with someone that I wanted to improve. And the rule was that I had, and I did this all out loud, because if it's out loud, it goes deeper. I would say to that person, what I wanted and what I needed or what I wanted to say. And the rule was, I had to listen to their response. And I had to really listen to their response honestly. And the rule was, if their response did not show that there was a connection that I had helped make, that that person was defensive or that they were capitulating and then you know trying to humor me or not being truthful, I had to go back to the drawing board and state whatever I wanted to state in a different way. 
And sometimes I had to do it three, four, five, six different times because I realized that I had an agenda, a hidden agenda, was to get them to agree with me or to do what I wanted them to do. When I came to realize how important it was to make a connection with that person, to enroll them with into the same goal that I had, which was to have whatever connection we had be positive. And I had to be the one to initiate that. I had to be the one to take charge of that. So these conversations I would have out loud began to transform me and help me have a voice. But it was never as I originally thought it would be. It turned out that I had to enroll that person. And it might have gone something like this. You and I want the same thing. I want this, whatever we're doing here, to be have a positive outcome. I know that's what I want, and I believe that's what you want. Isn't that true? And then I had to stop and listen to their response. Now, that is enrolling them to think. Do I want this to be positive, or do I not? More times than not, it would make them think, yes, I want it to be positive too, and they would respond in such a way. So I might then say, all right, I've noticed that you and I have been arguing about this or that we're at odds about this. Can we talk about what we can do so that we can be on the same page or that your needs can be filled and my needs can be filled too or we can come to a compromise? So I had to be willing to compromise and I had to be willing to listen to them and I had to be willing to be wrong. This then opened the door for me to have a voice because I started genuinely caring. I had to genuinely care about whoever I'm talking to. So you're saying that having a voice involves a lot of listening. Yes, it does. But it takes, takes some courage to even ask that person what they're feeling and what they're thinking and that might open the door for you being criticized so if that happens then my to find a voice I would say you know I know what you're feeling but I want this conversation to be positive and I would be unwilling to be their target as unwilling as I would be to make them my target well a lot of a lot of relationships are somewhat casual some are friends, and I'm wondering, in my mind, I'm thinking to approach them and have that sort of conversation about how they're feeling and how, what they want, that's a real stretch. For most people it is, and so this kind of communication often is most effective with somebody that you're close to, a friend, a family member. Not easy to do. So a friend or a family member may not be on the same idea of personal growth or spiritual growth at all and might think that, how oh, way, this person's being awfully direct. You know, it's, it's interesting because you want to have 
uh, conversation. And how do you do that with them without being confrontive? And that's why the opening of a conversation is always, you're important to me. And I hope I'm important to you. Now, just by that statement, that is confrontive by nature. And so one of the things I've learned is that, of course, so many people don't want to be seen as oversensitive or they want to be seen as nice people. And especially women don't want to be seen as bitches or as somebody who's a woman who's too strong. However, it is so important to be direct and kind at the same time. So one, you have to face your fear of being direct and to be willing to maybe shock another person by your directness a little bit. And that's having a voice. That's having a voice. It's a stretch for me to, to do that. It doesn't come as first nature. Maybe that's something I need to learn or practice or work on. But it seems like it would be so important to having a healthy relationship. Well, especially those, those circumstances that are difficult. Um, I'll tell a story. I used to have a, a Rottweiler that I would take in my two-mile walk. His name was Max, and I loved him dearly. But, of course, he was very protective being a Rottweiler. Um, since then, now I have a, a Labradoodle. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I loved Max dearly. And on our two-mile walk... Um, one day showed up, and increasingly as days went on, um, an Australian herding dog started herding us as we went for walking. And as the days went on, he got closer and closer until one day Max could not contain himself anymore, and he was about to take that leash and rip it out, out of my arm and go for that dog. And miraculously, someone drove by and scooped up that dog and drove off. To this day, I don't know who that person was. But I knew the, who owned the Australian uh, herding dogs, so I knew that if I were to continue my walks, I had to have a voice. So I went to their house and I said, told them what had happened, that that dog uh, was saved, uh, but it could have been very dangerous for me and for, for both dogs, and could you please do something about that? And uh, it was the, the woman, she said, well, I'll tell my husband. That evening, I received a phone call, and the first thing out of his mouth was, how dare you tell me what to do with my dog? And so I had to go into gear, so to speak, into my communication, having a voice. And the first thing I thought, of course, as my heart rate went up, was I'm going to call animal control and this get this guy to obey the laws. But instead, what I did is I held back, and I said, you and I are neighbors, and I want this conversation to be productive and positive. Something dangerous could happen. I want this to be solved in a friendly way. What do you want? And I had to say that three time, three or four times because he kept saying, wanting to argue, because that was his modus operandus. <laughs> and that's probably what he learned throughout his life and throughout childhood, is that you argue and intimidate to get your way. But I refused to argue with him. All I did was simply repeat. I want this to be resolved in a friendly way. What do you want? And finally, I said, you haven't answered my question. And he raised his voice at me, and he said, what was your question? And I said, 
we're, we're neighbors, I want this to be positively solved in a way that, that's friendly. What do you want? And he said, he became silent. And then he said, I guess you're right. I have to solve this problem. And he did. And uh, took care of it. Wow. Look, so, how that, look how that experience became a win-win. And that's uh, because I did those two-mile walks in rehearsing this the way I described. Um, even this very difficult person was responsive. Now, it's not going to happen every time, but this is really a case where it did. It was wonderful. Sounds like um, practicing beforehand is a very, very good thing. It is. And when I'm working with clients, uh, especially couples, um, I will often work with them. When I'm working with a couple, I often work with them separately and individually because I'm working with them at the same time often ends up just me observing an argument. <laughs> so um, since I'm committed to working with the inner child with each person and the core beliefs, um, as I'm working with that, I might set them up to do this kind of win-win conversation with their significant other. And it's amazing when you start doing this kind of conversation with yourself and listening to what the other person says in response to what you say and then re-honing what you have to say to them so that you enroll them into a positive conversation, how powerful that is. And doing that exercise really begins to open your eyes in how you can have a voice. I can see how um, having a voice can be can be safe. It can be so beneficial. And you have to um, find a way to take your knee-jerk, shall we say, response, your automatic response, a triggered response, like I did with this man who said, who are you to tell me what to do with my dog? I had to calm my heart, slow myself down, and get clear in my mind how to turn this conversation not into an argument. You know, when somebody is confrontive, say, or negative um, toward a friend or a family member, I have a voice. But somehow, when people attack me, I shy away. I, I lose my voice. What do you think that is about? Well, I think that's probably about um, little Joyce inside of you saying, you know, saying I don't have power. I don't have a voice. And, of course, if you do the process and you go into and you talk to her and you say, sweetheart, you have a right to say. But I think what may happen is that when someone's attacking you, you become, that little girl inside you becomes so stunned with emotion and that she just backs off. But it's important when that happens to say, wait a minute, I'm going to be silent for a minute and I'm going to say back to that person, listen, I want this conversation or whatever's happening to be positive between us and please don't talk to me that way. I want you to talk to me with respect. To actually find the voice to tell her it's okay to say that. Talk to me with respect. Don't roll your eyes at me. What like happens that. when you have a voice and you're and it's, it's such an important thing that you're trying to accomplish through this conversation? What happens if it's not turning around? What if that other person doesn't respond 
and and understand and you know um, be compassionate to what you're talking about well that's a really good question and that comes up with okay maybe I need to set boundaries here is this a person I really want to be in relationship with or do I need to back away for a little while and come back later or do I need to address to that person and say, I notice that, and I'm, I'm trying my best to turn this around for us. I notice that it's not doing that. What do you want? And to put the responsibility back on them so that they can realize that they have a choice as well. Um, sometimes, you know, when a person really doesn't respond, and there are certainly, you know, borderline personalities and narcissistic personalities and people that are very negative out there, that you may not want to be in relationship with them or your relationship may need to be very limited and sometimes you need to make some difficult choices about what to do with that so i for one am unwilling to be in relationships that are consistently negative well i certainly want to have a voice i think we all do um what can you explain a little bit more about setting boundaries <laughs> that's a really good question and that is subject for another podcast all right i'm looking forward to it are you okay I am. well thank you for being here with this one on how to have a voice thank Just you dr wendy okay thank you for listening remember that you're worthy and loved beyond your own understanding this is a universal truth it is meant for you to know and experience this truth in your whole being if you want to learn more about this experience and how to be truly happy, please go to my website, wendyhill.com. Meanwhile, practice warrior spirit and talk with love to that little child within you.